Here it is. From deep inside your audio device of choice. Well, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> we've had a fun time getting back to New Orleans and uh, our home, sta- home broadcasting facility. But I'm here. You're there. All's good. Um, and at the top of the show, just some thoughts about the relationship between culture and reality. I know. Sounds goofy, doesn't it? Uh, but the example I, I bring you is uh, from my old hometown, Los Angeles. I, I lived there for a number of years. And um, the entire time I was there, up through the last year or two, the culture, the ac- uh, the architectural culture of the city was to have these um, squat little buildings, mainly, except in the downtown area, covered with stucco and painted either white or a light color. And the reason I was always told that was sort of the cultural premise was, well, it's, it's very warm in Southern California, and you paint the buildings a light color so they reflect the heat. Okay. Well, in the last, I'd say, five years, the culture has changed. The climate has changed, too. The climate has gotten warmer, you may have noticed, not just in Los Angeles. And the culture has responded, or has at least veered in an opposite direction from where it was. All the hippest establishments, they're still, you know, basically one-story stucco buildings. Now they're two or four stories, but still, you know, I'm not talking about the glass and steel stuff downtown. They're painted matte black. You remember him. He was on Star Trek. Matte black, I say. And um, that's supposed to be hip. The culture says that's a cool thing. The climate says you're going to have a higher air conditioning bill every month going forward. But, as you may have noticed in other areas of American life, culture wins over reality. Hello, welcome to the show. I'm coming home, baby, now. I'm coming home now, right away. I'm coming home, baby, now. I'm sorry now I ever went away. Every night and day I go and stay. I'm coming home, baby. I'm on home. Coming home, baby, now. You know I'm waiting here for you. I'm coming home now real soon. You been gone. Coming home, baby, now. You don't know what I'm going through. I'm coming home, I know I'm overdue. Since you went away. Expect me any day now real soon. I'm coming home. I'm on home. Coming home, baby, now. You know I'm praying every night. And everything is gonna be fine. Please come on. Coming home, baby, now. I want to feel you hold me tight. Expect to see me now anytime. When I'm in your arms. You're in my arms, I'll be fine. I'm coming home. Come on home. 
I'm coming home, baby, now. You know I'm counting every day. I'm coming home now, yeah, yeah, yeah. Use your phone. I'm coming home, baby, now. And baby, let me hear you say. I'm coming home, you hearing what I say. And you're coming home. And I never will go away. I'm coming home. From New Orleans, Louisiana, home, I'm Harry Shearer, welcoming you to this edition of the show. And uh, now, ladies and gentlemen... Yeah. Yeah, bees, eh? It's um, an increasingly familiar sight in U.S. cities and suburbs. According to the Associated Press, a van pulls up to the curb. Workers wearing gloves, masks, and other protective gear strap on backpack-type mechanisms with plastic hoses. Similar to leaf blowers. Tom? Leaf blower. Yeah. Revering up the motors, they drench trees, bushes, and even house walls with pesticides targeting mosquitoes. Along the bane of backyard bane backyard barbecues. They're getting a little alliterative over at the Associated Press. And of course, in tropical nations, the mosquitoes are carriers of serious disease. Now more Americans are reverting resorting, sorry, to the booming industry of professional yard spraying with uh, Climate change widening mosquitoes' geographical range. They're moving in, moving on up, says, um, if you like, to, uh, says a, a recent customer of some of this uh, backyard spraying, professional yard spraying. If you like to be outside, it certainly makes it more pleasant not to be swatting mosquitoes. Yeah. But the chemical bombardment is beginning to worry scientists. They worry a lot, do you notice? Who fear overuse of pesticides is harming pollinators and worsening a growing threat to birds that eat insects. Well, they should should be like humans and keep reconsidering their diet, don't you think? The materials these companies spray kill all bugs as an environmental health professor at George Washington University and a former assistant administrator for toxic substances at the U.S. EPA. That list, he says, includes bees, butterflies, and all kinds of beneficial bugs that maybe people don't love but should. 
he says. It's not good to have this kind of indiscriminate killing, messing up the whole ecosystem. Unquote him. More than 40% of insect species worldwide are threatened with extinction. Can, can um, sell those swatters. These uh, include some pollinator bees and butterflies, according to the journal Biological Conservation. Spraying companies, which have been multiplying with the surging demand, say they try to minimize pollinator losses, but they do acknowledge there's collateral damage. Didn't need you, Tom. A um, One of these spraying companies, Mosquito Joe, avoids spraying on windy days when poisons would blow into flowering plants that attract bees. We need our pollinators, says the company's director of technical, ser- technical services. They're incredibly important, but at the same time, we need to eliminate mosquitoes to carry diseases. A couple of years ago, the Centers for Disease Control here in the States reported dramatic increases in illnesses spread by mosquitoes and other blood, and they prefer the word feeders as opposed to suckers. Zika, West Nile, other viruses have turned up in the U.S. Asian tiger, Asian tiger and yellow fever types of mosquitoes that originated in the tropics are now common in southern states and have begun inflicting Southern California. Well, they like the black buildings. With climate change, mosquitoes, Michigan's mosquito season is about a month longer at the beginning and the end than a few decades ago. Warm weather varieties are increasingly coming to Michigan. Meanwhile, the revenue from mosquito spraying has soared, according to Pest Control Technology. That's a trade publication. I read it for the statistics. Exterminators are adding mosquitoes to their traditional services, and new companies are making mosquitoes their primary focus. A Zika outbreak that began in 2015 and spread to more than 80 countries helped fuel the surge in the business. For uh, yard treatments, companies typically use pyrethins, bug-killing substances produced by chrysanthemum flowers or synthetic imitators called pyrethroids. The federal government says the chemicals are safe for humans when used as directed. But humans aren't safe for humans when used as directed. And mostly non-toxic to birds. But they're deadly to fish and bees and harm birds indirectly by killing the insects they eat. A drop-off of 3 billion North American birds in recent decades has consisted largely of insect eaters from the whippoorwill to red-winged blackbirds and barn swallows, the most painful kind of swallows. EPA says it's seeking more information about pollinator harm as part of a periodic review of pyrethrins, rins, and roids, and could order labeling changes if needed. Critics also contend homeowners are falling for company sales pitches. No! When simpler methods such as emptying stagnant water sources and running electric fans would keep mosquitoes away. Mosquito Control Association says companies should first clear out mosquito breeding areas. Well, they're fun to... And spray only when an inspection shows it's needed 
instead of on a set schedule. If I'm doing my job, you won't need my mosquito service over time, says a a director of a service in Panama City, Florida. A um, that Michi- Michigan homeowner quoted earlier says he's trying an optional spray of water mixed with essential oils from plants such as garlic, lemongrass, peppermint, and rosemary. Those are less harmful to other insects, especially with their pasta. One of our dogs likes to eat wood chips from the landscaping. He says if there's a synthetic insecticide on it, that's a great concern. I got a dog who likes to eat wood chips, too. So uh, I'm going to get some essential oils. It's essential. News of our friends, the bees. It is copyrighted feature of this broadcast. And now... He's not a general. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. Here's one who's not an inspector and not a general and, as of now, not an inspector general. A new inspector general hired to monitor the New York Police Department lost his job before he even started this week, according to New New York Daily News. What's in the Daily News? I'll tell you what's in the Daily News. A guy, but no, uh, there are allegations of sexual harassment surrounding the gentleman during his tenure in the Brooklyn DA's office. That's according to New York's Department of Investigation, reported in the Daily News. I'll tell you what's in the Daily News. The job offer to Charles Guria was withdrawn pending a Department of Investigation investigation, the agency said in a redundant statement. These allegations of sexual harassment and misconduct are deeply troubling, says the investigation commissioner. Guria, who focused on police corruption during his career in the Brooklyn DA office, was set to begin work leading the investigation department's police watchdog unit early next month. He was never disciplined during his career in the Brooklyn DA's office between 1990 and 2014. The investigation department knew of only one allegation of harassment, a single anonymous blog comment posted nine years ago and uncovered during the background investigation by the Department of Investigation. Can we have some more investigations, please? But after Guria's hiring early this month, more harassment allegations emerged. DOI, the Department of Investigation, (laughs) recognizes how difficult and traumatic it is for any individual to come forward and speak publicly about allegations of sexual misconduct. We support the women and men who have done so, said the uh, official at the Investigation Department. Guria was uh, was a defense lawyer before joining the Brooklyn District Attorney's Office in 1990. He also worked for a commission which investigated police corruption in the early 1990s. Upon his initial hiring this month, the uh, head of the investigation commission called him a dedicated career public servant whose deep understanding of police accountability issues within New York City for the past two decades will serve him well as the leader of this critical office 
within the Department of Investigations. And then they investigated him right out of the job, right after that. News of um, Inspectors General, ladies and gentlemen. It is a totally copyrighted feature of this broadcast. And now, what the frack? I don't think so. <laughs> I certainly don't think so. We'll uh, we'll try. We're having some interesting technical things going on today, ladies and gentlemen. In case you're noticing interesting technical things, and now we've got the ultra modern knack of getting oil from the deepest crack. So give the boys just a bit of slack and say a hearty. Pennsylvania children living near fracking sites at birth are two to three times more likely to be diagnosed with leukemia during early childhood than those who did not live near such facilities, according to a new study published in Environmental Health Perspectives. I read it for the perspectives. The study explored the connection between the development of cancer and proximity to fracking. Scientists have previously reported on potential threats to residents posed by fracking, your air pollution from vehicle emissions and construction, as well as water contamination from the oil drilling process or, or wastewater spills. In addition, hundreds of chemicals, some with known or suspected cancer links, have reportedly been used, I was just imagining cancer links, have reportedly been used in the water injection process that occurs during fracking. And as you may recall from previous reports, a lot of those chemicals, maybe most of them, are not uh, revealed to authorities because they're trade secrets. Come on. A little cancer, but great trade secrets. Data on the association between fracking and childhood cancer remains scarce, the researchers observe. Unconventional oil and gas development can both use and release chemicals that have been linked to cancer, says the senior author, who is a senior professor of epidemiology at the Yale School of Public Health. As a result, the possibility that children living near such sites are exposed to these chemical carcinogens is a major public health concern. The uh, leader of the team and the team, they're on the same page, conducted a survey, an observational study that comes from patient registries of 405 Pennsylvania children aged between 2 to 7 who were diagnosed with leukemia between 2009 and 2017. And there were also 2,000 control subjects matched on birth year. This is, uh, oh, Tom, acute lymphoblastic leukemia. Yeah, thank you. You, you were... We were on the same page, too. It's the most common form of childhood leukemia, and long-term survival rates are high, but patients may end up at higher risk of other health problems, developmental challenges, and psychological issues, according to the researchers. They found with at least one fracking well within a mile and a quarter of their birth residence during the primary window, 
had almost two times the odds of developing that leukemia in comparison with those near no such wells. Children with at least one fracking well within two kilometers of their birth residence during the perinatal window were almost three times more likely to develop this form of leukemia than their, peer, their, their well-less peers. These results demonstrate that exposure to fracking sites may be an important risk factor for this form of leukemia, particularly for children who are exposed in the womb. Drinking water also could play an important part in exposing children to oil and gas-related chemicals. Hey, there's an added bonus. The uh, researchers hope they, uh, fi- their findings will inform public policy, including the, resolution, the regulation of setback distances, the required minimum distances between private residences and fracking wells. Guess what's moving into your neighborhood? Setback distances are under debate all across the U.S. Some communities are calling for these measures to be extended to more than 1,000 feet or as far as 3,200 feet, according to the authors. In Pennsylvania, where the study was taken, the allowable setback distance is just 500 feet. What the frack? And um, now, news of our freedom-loving friends at the land of 4,000 princes, the good people of Saudi Arabia. A Saudi student, a Saudi student at Leeds University, in Leeds, I guess, in Britain, returned home to the kingdom for a holiday. She has now been sentenced to 34 years in prison for having a Twitter account and for following and retweeting dissidents and activists. This is a a resentencing by Saudi Arabia's special terrorist court, according to The Guardian. The sentencing was handed down weeks after President Biden's visit to Saudi Arabia, which uh, human rights activists had warned could embolden the kingdom to escalate its crackdown on dissidents and uh, pro-democracy activists. Don't tell me the activists were right. The case also marks the latest example of how the crown prince, Mohammed bin Salman, MBS, Mohammed Bonesaw, has targeted Twitter users in his campaign of repression. Simultaneously, he controls a major indirect stake in Twitter through the Saudi Sovereign Wealth Fund. Well, ain't that your irony? Salma al-Shihab. <laughs> Just laughing at something else. A 34-year-old mother of two young children was initially sentenced to serve three years in prison for the crime of using an Internet website to, quote, cause public unrest and destabilize civil and national security, unquote. But an appeals court this week handed down the new sentence, 34 years in prison, followed by a 34-year travel ban. Somebody's got 34 on the mind. After a public prosecutor asked the court to consider other alleged crimes. According to a translation of the court records which were seen by The Guardian, the new charges include the allegation that Shehab was, quote, assisting those who seek to cause public unrest and and destabilize civil and national security by following their Twitter accounts 
and by retweeting their tweets. It's believed she can still seek an appeal. She was, uh, according to all accounts, not a leading or especially vocal Saudi activist, either in the kingdom or in the U.K. She described herself as a dental hygienist, medical educator, Ph.D. student at Leeds, and lecturer at a uh, university, and a wife and mother to her sons, Noah and Adam. She had 2,500 Twitter followers. And uh, along with pictures of her young children and tweets about COVID burnout, she sometimes retweeted tweets by Saudi dissidents living in exile, which called for the release of political prisoners in Saudi Arabia. Yeah, that's the new modern Saudi Arabia that uh, Mohammed Bonesaw is... uh, Proceeding with, a person who followed her case said she had at times been held in solitary confinement and had sought during her trial to privately tell the judge something about how she had been handled, which she did not want to say in front of her father, who went to her trial every day. She was not permitted to communicate the message to her judge. And here's, here's what I consider the kicker right here at the end of the story. The appeals verdict was signed by three judges, but the signatures were illegible. So maybe they weren't signed by three judges. What do you know? Just uh, a little bit more about our freedom-loving friends, the land of 4,000 princes, Saudi Arabia. Now... thought you might want to sing along there. Dozens of Bored Ape Yacht Club non-fungible tokens. You know what that, this is all, that up, was that all jargon and mumbo-jumbo to you? Non-fungible tokens are digital files which they're not being sold but a digital certificate of ownership of these pieces of art are being sold because as digital art anybody can make a perfect copy of them anytime they want so ownership consists of the fact that you can claim <laughs> that you own them and uh, they're apes they're, they're drawings renderings of apes so that's what the premise is now they were purchased with borrowed money And uh, now they sit perilously close to being forcibly sold in the uh, crash of the uh, crypto markets. There's worry that that could trigger even more liquidations. The problem is brewing at Bend DAO, digital, uh, sorry, decentralized autonomous organization, a a peer-to-peer lending service that lets users borrow Ether, 
Ethereum, actually, against their NFTs, borrowing crypto funds against these art pieces. Customers can typically, uh, uh, typically take out a loan equal to 30 to 40 percent of the NFT collection's floor, pr- the minimum price to purchase one on the open market. With the NFT pledged as collateral, sound like a good plan so far? Floor prices have tumbled in recent months. So much so that 45 of the 270 board apes with such loans tied to them are now in the platform's danger zone when an NFT used as collateral is close to being auctioned off. In other words, $5.3 million worth of bored apes are at risk of being liquidated. Ben DAO is popular among NFT collectors, so the scope of any fire sale could be massive. Mass liquidation event could also have implications for other NFT lending services, which have risen to prominence in the past year, as the NFT industry has exploded in popularity. Now it's going to explode another way. Bored Apes are one of the most prominent NFT collections, if not the single most important one. Cascading liquidations in that space could have broad consequences beyond just the Bored Apes. The short-term fluctuations in NFT floor prices are normal, said Ben Dao in a statement. Consensus on blue-chip NFTs wasn't built in a day and it will not be collapsed in a short period of time. Okay, we'll take that to the bank. The digital bank. The uh, floor price has been cut just about in half during the broader route of um, NFTs, non-fungible tokens. It's it's all very smart, isn't it? Sounds like it to me.
From New Orleans, this is Le Show. And now, ladies and gentlemen, some news of the godly. Deadline, Kansas City, Missouri, Missouri. A pastor there called his congregation poor, broke, busted, and disgusted because they wouldn't buy him the Movado watch he wanted. He has issued an apology after his remarks caused a stir on social media. So it's kind of an apology of the week. Carlton Funderburk, you know of the Kansas City Funderburks. He's the senior pastor at Church at the Well. He issued an apology video for the inexcusable remarks he made in an August 7th sermon. Quote, Though there is context behind the content of the, ch- of the clip, no context will suffice to explain the hurt and anguish, anguish caused by my words. I've spoken to those I'm accountable to and have received their correction and instruction. I've also privately apologized to our church, who has extended their love and support to me, unquote. In the video clip of his sermon that was posted on TikTok, where all good pastors post their sermons, Funderburk berates his church members for not honoring him with a Movado watch. Quote, This is how I know you're still poor, broke, busted, and disgusted because of how you've been honoring me. I'm not worth your McDonald's money. I'm not worth your Red Lobster money. I ain't worth your St. John Nitz. Y'all can't afford know-how. I ain't worth all your y'all Louis Vuitton. I ain't worth your Prada. I ain't, I'm not worth your Gucci, he said in the clip. At one point, Funderburk tells the congregation that a Movado watch can be bought at Sam's Club. Quote, and you all know I asked for one last year. Here it is all the way in August, and I still ain't got it. You all ain't said nothing. Let me kick down the door and talk to my cheap sons and daughters. As of Wednesday, the video had been, uh, unquote, as of Wednesday, the video had been viewed more than half a million times. Many people in the comments condemned Funderburk for preaching about material items. Really? Isn't there a prosperity gospel? Movado Watch would be prosperity gospel, wouldn't it? He said his comments, quote, do not reflect my heart or my sentiments towards God's people. Yes, yet that's not discernible in the clip, in his apology, he says. No context could erase the words I used. News of the godly. So, of course, the big news of the week, the um, FBI going into uh, Mar-a-Lago to look for government documents that had been... uh, spirited away from government offices where they lived at the time when, uh, what's his name, left office. A lot of debate about whether they're classified or not. Of course, what's his name says he uh, automatically declassified anything he took with him, though there are uh, apparently up to this moment are no pieces of evidence that any such thing was... uh, notated anywhere except in his head. He is, uh, of course, he, Donald Trump, is um, again dominating news just by his antics, not even his rallies, just his antics. 
Just, I'll, ta I'll take these documents. Oh, some of them he flushed down the toilet. Although down, didn't quite go down. According to photographs we've seen recently. We, you and I. But um, there are those now in the Republican Party who are showing on, on, only the most hesitant signs of concern that Donald Trump's dominance, redominance of the headlines is not going to help Republican candidates in the upcoming midterm elections, especially those that he's endorsed. Uh, Mitch McConnell was interviewed the other day and um, said he's now not so sure that the Republicans are going to take over the U.S. Senate. Um, and he mentioned among one of the reasons why he was getting dubious about Republicans reassuming control in the Senate was something he called, quote, candidate quality, unquote. Some people thought that meant the candidates that Donald Trump had endorsed who have won more than their share of primary elections. And now there are rumors, pretty widespread, that uh, the former guy wants to be the guy again. And there may be some backlash already to, if not the existence of that announcement, at least its timing. Edminster Oval. Uh, Mr. President, it's, uh, it's been a while. Who's this, Mitch? Uh, yes, sir, your aide told you I was calling. I heard it. Yeah, but I stopped trusting those people when they kept pestering me about tearing up official papers. So, uh, Mitch, it's, uh, it's been a while. <laughs> yes, sir. More, uh, more truth than poetry there. Yeah. Well, I don't do poetry. No, sir. Neither do I. So, Mr. Former President, I did have something I wanted to discuss with you. Well, if I'm Mr. Former President to you, I don't think we have a lot to discuss. Mm. In case you haven't heard, Mitch, we still have some top people working on this. Very fine lawyers. As I recall, you had a woman named Sidney and a man named Lynn. Now, it's all different now, Mitch. Much more normal. Working on a hand recount in Alaska. Big, 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 big stuff. You'd be amazed. If, if you'd done this job for as long as I have, sir, you know it's hard for me to be amazed by anything. But well, look, I'm calling you for a reason. <laughs> I know it's not to congratulate me for so many of my endorsed candidates winning their primaries, right? Uh, See, nobody gives Trump the credit, but... No, sir. I, I've got a request for you. But then when they need something, uh, all of a sudden, it's Mr. President. That's a record of endorsements, the likes of which no Republican has ever had, right? Well, well i got to say it like it is. Holding a grudge is not something Trump does. Sir, sir, I know you're considering another run for the presidency. Well. And I just wanted to ask you to uh, withhold the announcement until after the midterm elections. Wow. Where did that come from? I mean, 
it's just when am I being advised by you? Sir, of course you're free to announce whatever you want to. Well, I just I, think you might want to have the space all to yourself, and until November, it's uh, bound to be all tangled up in the midterms, c competing for oxygen with Dr. Oz and all these other challenges for Republicans. Mitch, Mitch, Earth to Mitch. Nobody competes for oxygen with Trump. That's like a law of nature or something. Sir, as much as I hate to be the bearer of any tidings, let alone bad ones, not even Fox carries your rallies live anymore. That's because we gave Newsmax the exclusive rights is why. They even offered to pay for the exclusive, and my people thought that was a bad look. Look, if you had kept in touch with me, you'd already know that. So, Mr. Former President, you put your mark on this election in the primaries. Now we've got to lean to the other side of the party to attract some independents, some non-woke Democrats, if we want to— If we want to make Mitch McConnell the majority leader of the Senate again— well, that might be the result of retaking the majority in the Senate. I'd readily concede that's a possibility, but— Whenever I announce, if I announce there's going to be a jolt of energy in MAGA world like nobody's ever seen in the history of seeing, that's a good thing for me, for you, for everybody except Sleepy Joe and his fellow sleepers. It's all good, Mitch. Save your advice for Dr. Oz. Maybe he needs it. All right, sir. It was uh, good spending this little time with you. The best. Give my love to your Chinese wife. And now, ladies and gentlemen, a little more news of a smart, 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 smart world. Your period and or pregnancy tracker will probably share your data with law enforcement. 18 of 25 reproductive health apps and wearable devices reviewed by Mozilla you know about Mozilla, right? It's, a, I believe, still a nonprofit. They make the uh, Firefox browser, and they do other, other stuff. But 18 of the 25 reproductive health apps and wearable devices received a privacy-not-included warning label, meaning they're problematic when it comes to protecting users' privacy and security. Especially we're some here in the post-Roe versus Wade United States where this data could be used by cops or private bounty hunters seeking $10,000 bounties to arrest women seeking abortion information or services in states where the procedure is now outlawed. I keep coming back to the law enforcement sharing, Mozilla's lead researcher said. She pointed to a recent case in which private Facebook chats between a Nebraska mother and her daughter were used by law enforcement to build a criminal case against the teen for getting a now illegal abortion in her home state. It's a harbinger of things to come, said the researcher and Mozilla. Eight of the period trackers reviewed earned a privacy not included warning label. No. You are, you are therefore warned. And back to the crypto world for a minute. It, it was going so well, as I say. Cryptocurrency businesses now have faced disastrous economic conditions in recent months 
Both prices and trading volumes have plummeted. Crypto lender BlockFi cut 20% of its staff in June. The same month, crypto exchange Coinbase said it planned to lay off 18% of its workforce, 1,100 employees. In July, OpenSea, which sells NFTs, you're any, anybody for a board ape? Laid off 20% of its staff, followed by a similar announcement from Blockchain.com that it was closing offices and cutting 25% of its workforce. So um, that crypto thing, it's exploding, all right, in the wrong direction. Sorry to say. I know all the kids are excited about that. Now, the apologies of the week. Anybody remember Sasheen Littlefeather? Hands? Okay, put them down. She um, was famous for a little while. In 1973, she was booed on stage at the the Oscars, heckled with mock ululations, Tom? (laughs) Yes. And so-called tomahawk chops offstage and threatened with arrest and physical assault. She was sent in the, uh, sent by Marlon Brando to uh, refuse his Oscar at The Godfather. Now she's returning to the Academy. Motion Picture Academy is an invited guest of honor for an evening of reflection at the Academy Museum, featuring something she never to imagine, a formal apology from the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences. Quote, I was stunned. I never thought I'd live to see the day I would be hearing this, experiencing this. Little Feather tells The Hollywood Reporter of receiving the Academy statement, which was privately presented to her in June. She was 26 years old when she declined the Best Actor Award on Brando's behalf. She had two promises to keep not to touch the statuette, that was Brando's instruction, and to keep her comments to 60 seconds, an order from the show producer. And now she's receiving an apology from the Academy. Deshaun Watson. He's received a settlement, reached a settlement with the NFL National Football League, will serve an 11-game suspension and pay a $5 million fine rather than risk missing his first season as quarterback of the Cleveland Browns following accusations of sexual misconduct. He was accused of sexual assault and harassment by two dozen women while he played for the Houston Texans. The league had sought to ban him for at least one year for violating its personal conduct policy. Quote, I'm grateful the disciplinary process has ended, extremely appreciative of the tremendous support I've received throughout my short time with the Browns. I apologize once again for any pain this situation has caused. I take accountability for the decisions I made. Watson said in a statement released through the team, my focus going forward 
is on working to become the best version of myself on and off the field. Settlement ends months of posturing between Watson's legal team, the NFL, and the NFL Players Association. A former federal judge jointly appointed by the League and the Union to act as an independent disciplinary officer. Sue Robinson found Watson violated the League's personal conduct policy after reviewing an investigation into his actions and called his behavior egregious and predatory. Deadline San Marcos, Texas, a trainer who specializes in active shooter response, is apologizing after complaints of insensitivity towards shooting victims. Trainer has ties to the Advanced Law Enforcement Rapid Response Training Center at Texas State University. That uh, center conducts a number of training sessions designed for law enforcement and civilians to know how to respond in case they're attacked. In one training video from 2019, Jeff Ferry, the trainer in question, is heard referring to an attack in France. This is uh, in Paris, he says. And so you'll see uh, the French do what the French are best at. You'll see them run away. You'll notice different froggies in different cars kind of taken off there. That's a win, right? If you're not there to be killed, that's a victory, Ferry said in the video. Now, in a statement posted on Facebook, Ferry apologized for a separate class he taught this month. He said, while he never intended to mock anyone, some of the things he said were embarrassing and unbecoming of who he is. He's also a president of a local school board, and he's captain of the Caldwell County Sheriff's Office. So he got to be on the, you know, he got to walk straight and narrow, don't you think? He added that um, ALERT, that Advanced Law Enforcement Rapid Response Ta Training Center at Texas State, has notified him the organization will revoke his status as an adjunct professor. They don't comment on disciplinary actions. They added while Ferry was using ALERT materials, he was not presenting on behalf of alert. He says, regardless of my best intentions, parts of my presentations have not been reflective of the high standards of the alert organization and law enforcement as a whole. Didn't know law enforcement was a whole. Deadline Syracuse, New York, Vera House promised transparency in a review of the agent's, agency's hiring and personnel promises and policies in response to concerns that the agency hired a registered sex offender. A victim advocate at Vera House is a level two sex offender according to the state's sex offender registry. He was on the registry after serving in time in, time in prison for having sexual contact with two teen boys in 1998 in Florida. Vera House is a, secure, a Syracuse agency that provides shelter and other services to victims of domestic and sexual violence or abuse. Quote, we apologize to the people we serve every day, Vera House said in a statement. We will work diligently to earn their trust and serve them in their hour of need. We can and will do better. We regret the decision to hire this person and are deeply sorry for the pain and confusion this has caused. Unquote. Vera House will no longer consider people convicted of sex offenses for positions that have direct contact with people the, the organization serves. Good plan. 
if you ask me. And Emilia Clarke is most often recognized for her role as the mother of dragons in Game of Thrones. The actress spent eight seasons with the show. One of the most recognizable characters in television history is what uh, some call her. The uh, upcoming spinoff to Game of Thrones, House of the Dragon, recently had its Australian premiere. Everything uh, was going fine. Australian CEO Patrick Delaney, he's the CEO of Foxtel, a streaming service that uh, is home of Game of Thrones and its spinoff. Uh, he was uh, at the debut and called the actress, quote, a short, dumpy girl, according to reports from Vanity Fair and the Australian news outlet. Crikey. He was uh, trying to crack a joke, apparently. Humor by amateurs. The audience's reactions were awkward. People in the room were obviously shocked by it, reported the uh, news outlet Crikey. Foxdale spokesperson, that's the uh, network that's that he's a chief executive of, issued a statement trying to clarify what he said. The aim was to convey that for him, Game of Thrones was something very different for television, and that Amelia Clark went from relatively unknown to one of the most recognized and most loved actors in television and film. On behalf of Mr. Delaney, the Foxtel group apologizes if his remarks were misunderstood and caused any offense. The Ifpology of the Week, ladies and gentlemen, copyrighted feature of this broadcast. gentlemen that's going to conclude this week's edition of the show spotlighting the music of oscar peterson the program returns next week the same time over these same radio stations and at a time of your choosing on your audio device of choice yes there's still somewhere in the country where choice is available and it would be just like the rest of the equipment in the radio station working if you would agree to join with you then will you right would you Alrighty, thank you very much. Uh huh. Tip of the show, chapeau to the San Diego desk, to the extra hardworking Thomas Walsh here at WWNO New Orleans, and to Pam Halstead for help with today's broadca- broadcast. The email address for this program chance to get Cars I Talk t shirts while they last and the playlist of the music heard here on all at harryshearer.com and I'm on Twitter at the Harry Shearer.
What's the name of this thing? Le Show. The show comes to you from Century of Progress Productions and originates through the facilities of WWNO New Orleans, flagship station of the Change is Easy Radio Network. So long from New Orleans.